there is no excuse for inaction at this point. I want every agency to lean forward. So I'm excited just to be back introducing people to new music. Yep. Stuff that I'm passionate about. Talking about old stuff that right. maybe has been overlooked over the years. Just lean. He's from Saskatchewan. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Right? Am I saying that right? Am I, am I, how do you say it? For every degree that you lean forward is that much more pounds of force. Hey, anybody who's been listening to us, thank you. What I want to explain to you is a little bit something that I've figured out about leaning forward. When somebody says, like, talk to my people, I'm the people. Come on, I lean forward, forward, forward. Are you, are you I hate that, Legitimately. Man. I, I, I legitimately can't I get into it. Lean forward, lean forward, lean forward. I don't hate her, but I was just surprised. Do, go on, go you on. You rolled your eyes the minute I said it. <laughs> it's so weird, because she's right, right here. here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Lean Forward Podcast with Jay Heron and Jacob Gilmore. I am Jay Heron. That's, that's Jake. Uh, slurping the last of what appears to be an iced coffee out of his cup. What up? What are you doing, man? I'm uh, I'm back in the Big Apple. You Came are to take here. a bite. You're here. I see you more since you've been t- since you moved to Ohio than I did when you actually lived here. I know, but that is neither here nor there. What is here is the fact that our good friend Amy Lee, lean forward field again. reporter, industry insider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back, bitches. <laughs> yes, Amy. Thank you for being here. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. When we uh, when we last spoke to you it was the end of 2017, and um, we had a really long interview that uh, included a segment where you said you would be back, and here you are. It's really, really happening. It's happening. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for coming over. Yeah, this Thanks time we're in us. your studio, yep. which is awesome. Um, lots of great stuff has happened in the studio, right? Yeah, it has, I guess. What has happened in the studio? Well, I usually use this as my little, um, you know, writing space, so... We've crammed a lot of people in here actually at the same time, like writing for the, um, the the well we did some stuff for synthesis obviously, but before that for the last uh, the third, wow I'm really stumbling, the self-titled Evanescence album, <laughs> 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 spent a ton of time um, up here just like, you know um, messing with drum loops and playing with keyboards and coming up with a groove and a sound and then a lot of singing. Definitely a lot of things happening. That very mic, Jay. Yes, I get the privilege of this of using this mic. <laughs> that is my go-to demo mic. So here's the thing. When you were here last, by the way, that's mm-hmm. one of the episodes that I get the most comments about. I don't know about you, Jacob, but um, people will say, no, no never. No. <laughs> All right, me either. I'm just saying that because Amy's sitting right here. Oh. No, no, it actually, it actually <laughs> it's by far. It's by far <laughs> the most talked like, about episode that we've ever done. Competition. And in, in that in that interview, we talked a lot about your history and what you're doing mm. as an artist currently and all that. But what we didn't get to talk about a lot was just contemporary music or old music or whatever music that you're into. And right. after we hit stop on that recording, I remember, I vividly remember thinking, Oh, we didn't ask about music at all, other yep. than Evanescence and Amy Lee stuff. So uh, this episode, hopefully, we can get into that. But um, yeah. Jacob, do you want to talk about what the the premise of this episode is, is actually all about? I do. But before I want to get to that, just to reinforce what you were saying, basically, we said we weren't going to talk about you. We were going to talk about music. But before we talk about music, I want to talk about me. <laughs> so. Uh, Jay, you're a vegan now, which I is am. new. But so I, then hungry. I shared. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I shared, I shared I with you that I like am indefinitely just not going to drink again. But I'm also trying like the vegetarian thing. Yeah. And the, the reason for this is I went to a three and a half hour health consult right. with this incredible like 75 year old integrative health physician that's like drastically changed somebody I know personally. And I was like, just send me to this guru. 
Mm-hmm. And we went through all this stuff, and at the end of it, I found out I was, and this is not, <laughs> this is not an inflated figure, 38 pounds overweight. Okay. Like wow. for my, and she was like, these, this is like a derivative of like 19 bad behavioral problems that you have. Sleeping being like a huge like thing, not getting, not getting to bed early enough to wake up at a regular mm-hmm. time, setting like behavioral routines for your right. body. Uh, she tested my blood and I was deficient in this and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh yeah. And all of like the drinking is compounding all of the other things. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to stop. Wow. And how's and, that? How's that going? It's like week two. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. A long journey to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I admire, I admire that. That's good. And yeah. so it's just strictly a health, it's a health thing. Yeah. I just like, I want to be a radically completely different person like 12, mm-hmm. 12 months from now. I so totally get that. I'm just going to start feeding a different person and see if a different person mm-hmm. emerges. That's a cool way to think I of like it. That. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So there's that update. I like that. And I, I did, I did adopt a vegan full-blown vegan diet and no joke I've never felt better in my entire life that's amazing I sleep better I have more energy I feel better um it's just it's and that's a health that's more of a health thing than like a political thing or like a you know but it just it's working for me well I do I just only drink alcohol and I only eat <laughs> meat. That's yeah. <laughs> awesome, right? That's great. So no. all points of view are represented here. Actually, actually, whatever that documentary was called. Um, what the Health. What the Health. Yeah. Um, Josh and I watched part of it, and it's cool because I was actually already on the train of feeling like I just had a long, nice, really good long visit with my family, which is mm. great, but they just want to feed us like mm-hmm. bacon and eggs in the morning and mm-hmm. like just everything every day. And by the end of it, I was like, I need a break. I just need a food break. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'd come home feeling like that like I wonder if maybe I'll just go vegetarian for a minute like it might feel really good yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um and I love the documentary actually um I think that we are just sort of I'm not looking at it as a giant full on thing but just like have been not having meat at every meal actually yeah. like yeah. and it feels better it yeah. really does sometimes yeah. I feel like I just need a break because it takes it's like it takes longer to process yeah right. like when totally I eat right. not meat I feel more like I'm not thinking about anything about the food like an hour later or right. less. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's over. We're good. Yeah. And one thing in particular that's kind of changed how I've thought about how I eat throughout the day is like some people want to like don't eat, like you have to eliminate bread from your diet or right. you have to eliminate this. And there are other ways to approach that if certain things don't affect you. But like you can eat bread, but just not with every meal. Like think about which right. meal you want to have bread with. Right. Totally. Do you want that for dinner? Do you want that for breakfast? So enjoy that, but then just don't continue to eat. Change your pie chart. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like still have the pie. She she was like, I like what you're eating for breakfast. I just don't like that you don't have any vegetables. Like, right. Add vegetables, you know. Yeah. So, and in doing that, I've just kind of relied more on, you know, sweet potatoes and and like heavier vegetables. Right. Uh, that have like taken the place of right. meat in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I would just like. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It's good for you, I think, just mentally too, to know yeah. that you can make a change and you're not trapped. Like right. you can, you can, ha- you can be strong enough to do something different. Well, I want to connect that to that specific point to a song that we'll talk about later in this episode. But to finally answer your question about what we're talking about this episode, yeah, please. Our last episode, um, we you challenged me to introduce myself to you too. And in doing so, you gave me an assignment to listen to two albums, and I did. And <laughs> here we uh, go. Like I took the time here to do it. Go. Yeah. Um, I was thoughtful about that time. In <laughs> I scheduled it, 
and I listened to it from start to finish. Right. And then, then I would make it time to like revisit it in between moments of life to just immerse myself in it and become familiar enough with it to have an opinion. Right. So for this episode, we had talked about a few different (laughs) ideas and one of which was like, you know, Nine Inch Nails have been one of my favorite bands for a very long time. And there's so many albums and songs of theirs that I absolutely love. But there's one in particular that I would say, in my opinion, is my personal favorite and I would defend as a masterpiece, and that's The Fragile. And it's a right. double-disc album. Right. So your assignment for this episode was to listen to that episode. <laughs> and rather than listening to the episode... And to the fit, album. To the album. To the double to album. The, to the double to album. To the double album. You yeah. spent time texting me and being like, hey man, this is like a double album. <laughs> um, I feel like it, it should be worth, it's worth mentioning that a lot of the songs don't have any melodies or lyrics to listen to. Oh, well, they have melodies, but not vocals. Right. There's plenty of stuff that's just like oh. really cool in between. 100%. Yeah. So what's your complaint? Go on, lodge your complaint. <laughs> this started to sound like a guilt trip. <laughs> so, so this episode, we're going to talk about Nine Inch Nails as a whole because Amy and I both actually share a lot of similar opinions on their body of work at large so I think we're going to broaden the topics of the episode but a good portion of this episode is going to be you actually listening to songs maybe for the first time or certainly the first time in a long time absolutely Um, I think it should be known too like so we were going back and forth on the text Amy was on the text chain (laughs) and it happened to be that The Fragile is both of your favorite Nine Inch Nails Mm -hmm. albums so that's when and you were coming to town and so we were like we should absolutely have it Amy on to discuss her point of view on this album as well, right? Right. So, okay. so that's that's what brought us to this particular album, not yes. not just it being your favorite, but also just right. Like, yeah, there's some synergy there. Yeah, absolutely. Nine Inch Nails at yeah. large. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. I'll just start with. I became aware of Nine Inch Nails as a lad, and they were filed in like the things you probably shouldn't yes. be allowed to like category mm-hmm. because it was probably it was the downward spiral like w- yeah. that I became peripherally aware because those songs for not having many like melodies or um, I mean in these cases it does ha- did have lyrics but they were unconventional hits made it to the radio totally so you were hearing Same. songs like Closer you were hearing songs like hurt yes. hurt made it on it's the radio so yeah, and that is like a v- it's a great song yeah. but it is a downer yeah totally. and it is not upbeat and mm-hmm. it was on the radio all the time but even as a even as a kid i was just like man there's like i had a morbid fascination with how awesome that music was yeah um i remember seeing the video for closer by mark R- romantic yes. as a young lad and just being was that the one where the people were in like a pit or is that had like a hole? No. That was that was I think that was had like a hole. Closer is where like they crucify a monkey. There's a heartbeat. Oh, right. There's like, like there's... a pig on a record spinning around. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. a uh, the, Trent a levitates and rotates. Yes. Um, very dark, very cryptic. But I think it was like the coolest, scariest thing I had ever seen, mm-hmm. and it was to one of my favorite songs. So loved Nine Inch Nails, but I don't think I owned. The Downward Spiral. The first Nine Inch Nails album I got was a remix album of theirs called Things Falling Apart. Mm-hmm. And that introduced me to some more Nine Inch Nails and a lot of their songs are remixes of The Fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I listened to The Fragile, I was in college and 
I would have to pull a lot of like all-nighters working on things so I could just sit and listen to music for hours at a time and that is such an a beautiful album and it's a long amount <laughs> of songs to immerse yourself through and it was I mean, it's just I don't know I think on the fragile he flexes his producer chops to and his songwriting chops um, to uh, an unrivaled degree. Absolutely. And by fragile, you mean the fragile? <laughs> you haven't even listened to it. <laughs> I have listened to it. We're going to get into that. I just wanted to make sure. Well, we're not you clearly the UK. haven't listened to it because on the song "Fragile," that's how he pronounces it when he sings it. In the, that's oh, how my, that's, that's my British, actually true. So. But that's how my British wife pronounces it. I just want to make know. sure you weren't going UK on. I didn't know what was going on. Fragile. Is that is that how they would say it in fragile. England? You're so fragile. Uh, have you Jacob. listened to the fragile? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so... Um, Shall I? Yes, please. I have some similarities in the story. I The same thing with... Um, I think that video for Closer and the Downward Spiral kind of being in that... On the airwaves mm-hmm. was the thing that kind of made me first notice it and go, whoa, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. But also that feeling of, this is too dark, I'm kind of scared of it. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely probably not allowed to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point... And I loved closer and that video part of what was really cool I wanted to say this when you're talking about the video part of what was really cool about that video I think either consciously or subconsciously the message that it portrayed at least to me was that that was what his recording process was like Hmm. he's like in the studio but he's like suspended via like piercings and like flying around and there's like weird animal parts Mm -hmm. in jars I don't even know but it was this really creepy cool Um, weirdly edited thing that made you feel really dark but what I, what you were actually looking looking at he was also playing the piano when he was suspended and stuff mm-hmm. it felt like this is what he does to get in the headspace to make this music <laughs> yeah. and that was really intriguing and yeah. rad to me um, anyway my dad was in radio um, for 30 years and one of his um, co-workers this nice lady she was over hanging out one day and she brought her like tape collection that I guess she was looking to like unload for some reason. Mm-hmm. It was before CDs, I think. Like I didn't have CDs. Nobody then knew had CDs. It was before that. Um, but she was getting rid of these old tapes, whatever. Um, and she wanted to know if I wanted any of them, so I could like look through it and pick out if there's any of these cassettes that you want. Then you know you could take what you want. And the downward spiral was in there, and I was like, I want this. Yeah. And she was like, Okay, but are you allowed to have this? <laughs> That's a good question. And I, I was like, I. I think my dad and I have a pretty good understanding that like, you know, there's sometimes there's words in music that you don't say, but it's okay because it's art and you can listen to music. I think it's all right. And she was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he knew, and we did let him know that I had it, but I didn't show it to him. I feel like if he'd actually listened to it, maybe I'm like, ah, maybe let's put that away. (laughs) But, um, I got that tape like that and just wore it. I think I still have it Mm -hmm. uh, right up there. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Um, because it was it spoke to me on such a crazy deep and dark yeah. level that there was no other outlet for that I knew of and right. hurt spoke to me so much and so many things about that album by the time we got to the fragile it was like I knew about pretty hate machine like I knew it had existed mm-hmm. I knew it had like a whole mm-hmm. but it wasn't my album mm-hmm. downward spiral mm-hmm. was my album yep. and then when the fragile happened I'd grown up a little bit I was an older teenager yeah and I was super into and inspired by like film score Danny Elfman and Hans mm-hmm. Zimmer and like yep. all, all this other stuff as well as um, industrial and kind of like rock metal right so when the fragile happened it was this progression into exactly what like my mind had been headed towards mm-hmm. which was like this 
beautiful like forget singles like but melodies are so present all these beautiful beautiful recurring melodies that happen in the downward spiral too that those recurring themes almost like an opus and the right. fragile is like taking that all the way to the level of like for real this is some kind of masterpiece opus where themes are going to recur and sometimes it's instrumental and sometimes there's lyrics on it um but it always has little beautiful catchy melodies mm -hmm. that feel like I mean, I still sing them in the back of my mind. Yeah, like, yeah. So far in the future. What I love about the downward spiral is I think about like the context of when it came out in 1994, and you think about what the radio sounded like in 1994, mm. and it, not to to my knowledge, nothing else sounded like downward spiral. No. It was very distinct totally. and out of left field. And when you think of putting on an album, and the first song that you hear is Mister Self Destruct with that like weird ambient like punching sound or whatever mm -hmm. and then they go right into this like industrial um i don't know it's it, it it was so pivotal and apparently i read somewhere that chuck palinuk was listening to the downward spiral when he wrote fight club and oh, he wow. totally he, makes he sense. wanted that album that to be yes. the, the soundtrack right that's what i read i can't verify that but i'm putting it out there so i was i was actually very surprised when i realized doing my research for the fragile that this album is 19 in September this album will be 19 years old yeah which that's the one thing for listening and we'll get into like my thoughts personally on on the songs and stuff but like it doesn't seem old at all which which no, to me like yeah. if I'm if I'm if I'm in you know the 90s and I hear an album that's 20 years old or 19 years old it feels 20 years old usually right. the great ones don't the great the great ones are timeless right and so you there's like this thing where even the recording process it just it just feels timeless this one, I would have to say, is, is the same. I was shocked that it's that old. Yeah. Um, which means that you were literally a kid, Amy, when you mm -hmm. first heard it, which means it predates Evanescence. Would you say that that the fragile, Jake, I'm looking at you, <laughs> it was an influence on... Oh, so big. Early early. It was during, stuff? yes, it was during that whole time where it, it opened my mind to thinking that all that stuff could really collide and that was allowed. Mm -hmm. Like it was allowed to go that dark. And it was allowed to have a catchy melody, but also allowed to have whole moments that were completely instrumental, like segues between songs, looking at it like a whole piece of art that all could flow together and also as separate tracks. That's a huge influence on me in the way that I not only look at music, but and just for my own taste, but like for the way that the whole Evanescence idea, like we always have tried to do that, like to mm. make there be some parts um, of the album that flow together and work as one like in and the order matters like mm. want to go on a journey from one place and end up in another place and also find little moments where you could potentially tie it all together hidden tracks mm -hmm. like hidden tracks yeah he was the king of that in a yeah. way that was so creepy and cool and special mm -hmm. and i guess it's different it changed when um i don't know music stopped being in this physical kind of format so much and it yeah. changed even mm -hmm. before that even with a cd because you could fast forward like that but mm -hmm. it used to be a tape Right. And you knew there was a hidden track because there was all this mm. tape left. Yeah. Like you could see it. There's like a little brown stripe, and you're like, I know, yep. but there's extra tape there for some reason. And you fast forward so to the true. end. So true, I forgot about you that. You know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Right. Yeah, totally inspired by it. I, I just kind of love that like level of um, experience that they try to create because their live shows are insane. Yeah. You know, there's always a high production value to the lights, the sound, the experience. Um, have you ever seen them? Yes, at Jones Beach, where we're going to be playing in like a month. Oh, awesome. It's so cool. That's sweet. Um, and it was that really neat thing where they were playing um, 
partially like behind these scrims. So you're you're seeing them yeah. as yeah. part of the backdrop almost in a way that is just like superhuman. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them as well. Oh, really? Just in case you're wondering. I was getting ready to ask you. Uh, I saw them at the Tabernacle in Atlanta. Cool. I can't remember I when it place. was. It's such a great venue. It really is truly a great venue. I'm trying to remember. It must have been, I'm going to say 2004 or five. That would have been, they would have still been touring on The Fragile. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because their next album, their next like new album was uh, With Teeth, and that didn't come out until 2005. Wait, when did you say it, it was probably the With Teeth tour then, 2005. Okay. 2005. Four or five. I can't remember exactly. Was he jacked? Yes. Yeah, okay, it was With Teeth. He was gigantic. Yeah, he was like uh, Henry Rollins jacked. You're totally right. Huge. Yeah, okay, that's exactly right. Because I think he got... I, yeah, I don't know. I don't and it was a, it was that. actually a good show. Now we should we should just quickly say so. You guys are clearly both big Nine Inch Nails fans. Yes, mm-hmm. back and, to your first experience. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so my experience with Nine Inch Nails is this: um, my very first time seeing them was that video. Seeing the my 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 very first interaction with them would have been the video for I think it was Head Like a Hole again. Okay. The, the pit. And it was just crazy. Yeah. And right. I remember being like, and I'm 10 years older than you guys. And I remember being maybe 12 years older than you, Jake. Um, I remember being like, actually kind of scared. And because, yeah. but because it was so, it felt real. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like any, it didn't feel like um, a lot of the stuff. Like, it didn't feel like the way Marilyn Manson maybe felt after, yes. which was like staged. Right. It yeah. felt like, oh real. wow, this guy means this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he may have murdered people. Like yeah. maybe body parts in his yeah. fridge. 100%. Yeah, totally. It actually felt terrifying to me. <laughs> To that point, right before we recorded this, I rewatched the 1994 Woodstock uh, show where they came out. I really encourage you to hop on YouTube oh. and watch how they're announced because it's it what feels like minutes after they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Nine Inch Nails. And then it's just like people chanting for them. Oh. And then in a very Nine Inch Nails way, the first like intro track to Broken like slowly comes on. So cool. And then there's this haunting bell and just the swell, jump, 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 yes. fog. And then they come out emerged covered in mud. It was like watching demons manifest oh, from man. like a rip wow. in the universe. It was such a scary, eerie vibe. Yeah. And then they just rock. That's and that's the thing, right? Is yeah. now the music has not necessarily ever really resonated with me, but I do respect the authenticity of it. It yeah. feels right. very real and always has. Um, and I think that's when, so then fact, so that was my first interaction, my first experience. Um, and I do like, uh, some very heavy stuff. I really did like this, the songs that everyone knows had like a whole, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the singles, right? Yep. Um, and then I saw them at the Tabernacle in Atlanta in 2005, which would have been with teeth cause he was, um, Henry Rollins esque. Yeah. Um, and I remember be, it, he was very successful at that point and whatever. And I remember, um, him being on stage Trent being on stage and like getting super angry with the sound guy and taking his mic and chucking it at him yeah and that's for the first time where that actually felt not real because it felt like he was okay the whole time and nothing actually really happened bad but he was trying to feign rage maybe he wasn't Hmm. maybe it was just me looking at it through that lens and that's where I was like oh I don't know I don't know maybe wait so you saw him in Atlanta 2005-ish and he had an issue with the sound guy and made a thing no, it actually took the mic out of his stand and threw it at him and then went and chased him. And you said, actually chased him you said that that felt fake to you? It felt a little fake to me. So, well, it may not have been. Hold on, hold on. Let me say okay, this. Sure. That's weird that you say that because I saw them in 2005 for the first time. Yeah. They were playing in Chicago uh, at the Congress Theater. Yeah. And 
Um, we drove straight there from Columbus, pulled up to the venue in time. We hadn't bought tickets in advance. So we were just hoping to like find a scalpers. Uh, very long story that I'll try to condense. We find this guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, just come, you know, come with me. That we'll, I'll get you the tickets. So we park. We follow this guy, and he's in a like first floor storefront building right next to the Congress. But the windows are all papered up, so it looks like they're renovating or something. He's like, just come through here. So Lauren, my friend Tim, and I walk down this really long drywall hallway to this dude at the end with like just this desk and like uh, bags of money. And he's like, all right, it's 80 bucks each or whatever. We're like, um, hmm, uh, can we see the tickets? He's like, you don't need tickets. We'll just give you these bracelets. I was like, what are you talking about? And we just kind of looked at each other for a second. And we're like, okay. And so we just did it. He gave us these bracelets. We followed this other dude around this room to this half wall of stairs. Like you'd have to open the door and duck down like Peter what? Rabbit. We go down into the basement of this venue. And now we've got cell phone lights. And he's like, right this way. So we crawl through this cement basement. He opens up other doors. <laughs> we amazing. go into a third, like a second basement wow. that is cathedral esque. <laughs> I'm talking forty feet. I know that the theater. Ceiling. I know what you're talking about. And so we go down it's under bizarre. there, and now we, I feel like I'm in the dungeon in Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, <laughs> this is some vampire shit. Yeah. So then we go to this long wooden staircase. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna open that door. You're gonna wait. I'm going to walk to the left. When I walk to the left, you guys walk up and walk to the right. What? So we do that, and then we're right in front of the sound guy. And so now we're maybe 10 feet from the stage. Wow. Nine Inch Nails just comes on. They start with, I think, Wish. He th uh, Trent Reznor rips a bottle of water open, like pours it on his face and chucks it into the crowd, and I catch it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Best day ever. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and then something messes up in the sound, and he throws a fit and he says we'll be back when you fuckheads you know get this sound fixed and like I don't know 10 minutes come by and then they come out and play again so I, is that maybe a thing that they do that's well that's I, what I'm saying is it felt like a thing rather than what my experience my original experience which was like super authentic authentic yeah. and this is real so then it felt like a thing which is not a big deal at all it does not impact the music at, at all it just kind odd. of first... maybe he just had a sound guy for a while that didn't do a good job yeah. <laughs> but i will say this so like the, the the a lot of what trent has done in the past has not resonated with me mm -hmm. that said the um the songs that you guys specifically pointed out to me mm -hmm. uh gave me a new perspective in terms of like oh um Song, the, some of these songs were clearly a precursor to his scoring days, I think. Yeah. Um, there's some instrumentals so. on there. That's that, astute. Yeah. Um, that were really just the production is crazy. Um, while the uh, so while the a lot of the Nine Inch Nails like the lyrical content and some of the dark vibes don't like are they're not my thing. Yeah. Right. I can appreciate the fact that he's able to at least articulate um, his musical vision probably like in terms of getting that dark five out without being um over the top there's a balance that he creates i guess is what mm -hmm. i'm saying the production mm -hmm. and production values yeah. and instrumentals that are like okay he's getting his point across really well he doesn't even have to sing on some of it and it's just like oh yeah he he's it, that's really really good hmm. that makes sense it yes. does make sense because i think he writes some of the darkest music i've ever heard well and, it, you know lyrically and the way that it sounds like yeah. and there's something really to be said about this uh this air of this really dark sarcasm mm. like that I was noticing on the fragile after listening to it again the other night I have to look and see what song I wrote that down about um, because it's like 
there's something to be said for like a sad, sad song about mm-hmm. the worst thing ever. But there's hope somehow right. in the way that the music feels or in something in the lyrics that's like mm. maybe, you know, in another life or somehow like there will be good in the end. Yeah. And I think the thing about Nine Inch Nails is often coming from a voice that is um, past that point. It's yeah. like the point that you don't want to talk about. And that's why it's so rare and so taboo. And it was like this very special place to find that you're allowed to listen and allowed to have those feelings. Like maybe there's no way out. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think what's interesting is I agree with both of you. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of his songs do sound like they're beyond despair. And in those moments they are super dark, but if you do, look for songs that leave you feeling a little bit more optimistic or hopeful you will find they're them there because yeah. that the okay. first track on with teeth is all the love in the world it's a beautiful totally. optimistic mm-hmm. i think major key song right um and certainly ends that way it's very like and then the rest of the album is just like whoa yeah <laughs> you really set me up well so as big fans of of the music what, what were your takes when johnny cash covered hurt i loved it um, I, I, you know what, to be super honest on a just selfish level, I loved it so much, but one of the first thoughts in my head was like, well, I can't do that now because <laughs> I always wanted to cover her. Like yeah. it means so much to me. Like oh, I would sit in my room and cry and sing that song in the yeah. dark, like loved it and dream of the day when that was going to be something that I covered in a really cool way in my voice. And I just feel like I can't. Because uh, after Johnny Cash did it, like nothing can trump that. Right. It's too beautiful and it has too much perspective. Mm-hmm. Like from a man who's been through it all and at, at, at age 80 or whatever, mm, yeah. like is singing back about his life with a real true reflection about what that might possibly mean in his own interpretation mm-hmm. of the song and his wife and his life. It's yeah. too much. It's like, I can't beat it. I can't do it. I'm yeah. never going to get to sing that song. Well, for me, I thought it was just validation that somebody of Johnny Cash's stature and importance in musical history would would interpret that song of a younger generation and one that's very different totally. from his own. So totally I thought right that was right. like a huge honor uh, and recognition that like I had good taste in music. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um, the the other thing too is like uh, I think in that darkness and despair, and you're like I've listened to Hurt by myself and cried. I've like listened to. Um, he has a song, Something I Can Never Have. And he had a remix album. It was after, I think it was after Things Falling Apart. It was an all acoustic like rendition of songs just him and a piano I Mm. think maybe some strings but it's lovely and the reason it was so like poignant to me at the time is because when I was dating Lauren before we got married she broke up with me like 15 times and all of them were like super hurtful (laughs) and so that song was just like a representation of I listened to that song so many times by the way I've told you this before I'm gonna make you listen to it I think if you can't do hurt you would crush that song because I think it's your like it just feels I tell you like... what I'll be honest after listening through everything and rediscovering things that I haven't put onto my playlist over and over and over again for the past 19 years I fell back in love with the fragile the song she
Yeah. That yeah. song is so cool and so good, and I want to sing it. I really think that might be something that I do. This is a silly question, and I guess I could assume no, uh, based on the conversation thus far. Have you worked with him at all? No, I always wanted to. Has there ever been like anything on the you table? You know, you know, there's there's sort of the, you know what we're talking about, like about this persona and this. Mm-hmm. He's such a mystery man in so many ways, and it's it's one of those things where I wouldn't even know. I, I haven't chased it. Like I yeah. feel not cool enough to try. Oh man! I mean, I'm I'm saying that from a place yeah. of like looking at it, not knowing me for real. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But it's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, I'm the girl from Evanescence. That's awesome. But like, you are Trent. Like, I yeah. I would love to work together, but it it's almost like it would have to be him reaching out to me. Yeah, I mean, well, hopefully opportunity would manifest. Have you heard any of the stuff that he's done with his wife and Atticus? Yes, and, and I love it so much. We have I, it on our pre-show playlist. He's just such a good collaborator. What, what is that? What is that project? Called? Um, how to how to oh, destroy how to angels? angels. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's um, there's some really good tracks on there, and I think he's just so versatile that he can, like, um, his work with David Bowie, uh, I'm afraid of Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the world I'm afraid I can't help it I'm afraid I can't I'm afraid of Americans I'm afraid of the world I'm afraid awesome. I can't help it. And apparently that was like an important time in his life and he credits David Bowie for helping him get clean. Oh, um, wow. But I don't know. I think that there I think that there's so many pockets that you would compliment that sound so I don't know I hope well it's proof that how to destroy angels thing how right. beautiful a female voice can sound yeah. on those melodies because his voice is so distinct mm-hmm. and kind of broken yeah. and then you put like a beautiful voice like hers on mm-hmm. it and it mm-hmm. really just kind of transmogrifies it yeah <laughs> is that a made up word I think it might be made up but I get it <laughs> <laughs> I get yeah. it I'm thinking Calvin Hobbes now guys I'm, yeah. I'm back in the 90s so yeah. but I think what you're but I think I think what you're saying is in line with my thoughts on this music, right? Is so um, vocally and like you know, just vocally with mm-hmm. with Turner Isner. Um, when I the opening track to the Fragile, when you guys gave me this assignment, the very first track, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can get through it because it took it's, so long to get so, there. No, the vocal was so harsh and just oh, like yeah. right. it kind of grated on me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just being honest. And then when I listened to more, which I did. <laughs> Um, this the, is great. Yeah, no. People, the, so the market, but then I, you the were like, check made. out the market's been made, and I did, and I was listening to that, and I was like, this is fantastic. It truly yeah. is. Mm-hmm. But the the, the the missing piece there was Trent's vocals, and so I wonder yeah. if I wonder if because it's an instrumental, so I wonder if that's kind of my issue overall is the I uh, love like beautiful vocals and great vocals, yes. and that one to me is not one. But where his wife on How to Destroy Angels, kind of in line with what you just said, is. Um, it's the same sim- similar music but with a different vocal over top. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe that would be more of a thing? I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean, saying? like there's these repeating melodies and some of them it's not even a Okay. Back to Downward Spiral. Mhm. There's this recurring melody that actually thank God he put it at the end of Closer because now we've all heard it a thousand yeah. times, but it's this recurring thing on that album that ba ba Yeah. Yeah. That thing. So cool and so beautiful and it's it's interesting because it goes from the top of the scale to the bottom in just such a beautiful, cool way that just sums it up. Yeah. And he never sings it. It's only like an instrumental hook. Right. And it's so ingrained in all of us mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this... I don't know how to describe that other than like I feel like his melodies speak past 
the sound of his voice yeah. and his voice just sounds authentic yeah like mm-hmm. he just sounds like he's really means whatever he's saying because right. he's past trying to sound pretty for you sure yeah. I, I get that and I, I get that same vibe actually and I really really loved Smashing Pumpkins in a similar oh, way oh yeah um, because the way that he sings and the way that he, the music is like a lot of people I feel like think that about his voice like it kind of grates on them yeah it's grating it's, it's, it's real whatever. thin and sharp not right. sharp as in like too high like just it feels like it, it could slice but the yeah. way that he sings yeah is with his whole heart mm-hmm. yeah. and it's so honest that yeah. it's something about it I love it I completely yeah. love hearing it because it just sounds like a real person who's in between like tears and mm. and rage and mm. beauty it's just mm. in between all those things because they have all these complex emotions and the lyrics are say so much right um, I mm. feel like this it's the same sort of thing with him but I always could hear past it and hear those beautiful melodies and naturally like as a person who's searching for my own melodies and making my own music was such a fan because just hearing those melodies and thinking about, I mean, singing them to myself and thinking about how I would love to do it too. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, you said lyrically, um, like you can connect to because there's just, you know, uh, some depths of emotion that you can relate to. Um, Lyrically, I've kind of, I've kind of viewed him (laughs) as stunted at times. In some in some ways, with some of the songs, particularly later in the career, yeah. Particularly later in the career, where I was just like, oh man, I feel like, I feel like I've outgrown my ability to connect with right. with some of these songs. I hear that, yeah. So I think like moments of with teeth and year zero and kind of later on, um, there's definitely aspects of those songs that I've actually gone back to, or those albums that I've gone back to and, and experienced better you know like I, I've yeah. liked them upon returning but in the, in the time when they were released I think I wanted a different version yeah. of what I was expecting it but that's something that's interesting Jake is the text that I sent you a few weeks ago was, was this was this quote it was, a, it was a researched piece about how when you get past the age of I think 30 you you what was the quote Jake you stop you, you hate your favorite band's last three albums, albums. Past age of thirty, you hate that your favorite band's the last yeah, three albums, right? And that is a hundred percent true for me. Yeah. Um, do you find that? Quite often, yeah. I have to say that's oftentimes the case. But I, what's interesting is, why do you think that is? Do you think that's because they keep making the same music and you've grown, or do you think it's because they've grown in a different direction and you wanted them to stay the same? I think it's probably both. I think um, the band, because the, they're getting older too, and so their point of view is going to change. Right, and, and what so resonated, is yours. Yeah, and so what resonated with you as a post, a pre-30-year-old, or let's call it 18 to 25-year-old, mm-hmm. what resonated with you at that age is not going to resonate with you post-30, mm-hmm. and right. nor with them right. as artists, right? Right, and I have issues with both too. Um, it's hard to find that perfect artist where you feel like you're so in sync that as they change, you're growing in the same way. And there are moments like that, like I just described about going from Diamonds Parlor to Fragile. I felt like that. I was like, we were on the same page and we <laughs> went to the same place. <laughs> yeah. um, but exactly. oftentimes it's like you're in this perfect place where you're feeling the same feeling and then your views based on the things that have just happened to you during your life are different and change and grow in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me when people stay the same because I don't feel the same. And I can't get as 
I, I'm not as motivated to listen to angry music as I used to be. Mm-hmm. I've learned to let things go a lot mm-hmm. more and oh, wow. yeah. to forgive a lot quicker and yeah. to try to, um, I don't know, like just live in a more positive place. Otherwise, you're just a pissed off bitch and nobody wants to hang out with you and I don't want to <laughs> hang out with me. So okay. like you just grow that way. So like some of the things that I listened to as a kid that were really angsty, um, if they stayed in that place, I grew out of them. And I still like the old ones because they remind me of those times and those yeah. feelings and I love those I was able to get into it then, so I still love it. But sometimes also they change in a way that I didn't want because, I don't know, like there's too much of exactly what I'm describing in myself, love and hope and forgiveness and peace when I want to feel something the way that I felt when you really were pissed off. Hmm. So it's really hard. Like, And I think I've just gotten to a point where I'm, I'm happy and satisfied like just liking different all kinds of different things and there are mm-hmm. things that didn't exist back then that I like now and things that did that I didn't like then that I like now and things that I liked then that I still like now yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that you are just a fan of a couple of bands and that is your identity like it felt in high school when you grow mm. up you're allowed to be complex and sure. you're allowed to, to have a confession that you like some stupid corny popular pop song and nobody's going to judge you for it because it doesn't mean you are that person like yeah. we're, we're we're past that this is so relevant to this song that i'm that i want to good show okay, this is like exactly what is this, what this, this is hesitation marks this is off hesitation marks the song is uh it's called copy of a so we'll play it and then we can talk okay. about it So, before I explain what I think the song means, uh, you should definitely check out the performance of this song. I think it was at a Grammys with Lindsey Buckingham mm-hmm. from Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Backed by Queens of the Stone Age with Dave Grohl on drums. Wow, cool. That would be cool. I slayed it. The, I bet the live version of it is really cool. That The recorded version, what you just played, sounds like a demo to me. It sounds like a bit phoned in honestly like when you compare it to the production that you guys sent me like from the yeah. fragile mm-hmm. it's like wow yeah. it's so, right. so rich mm-hmm. um that just feels demo-y to me but i bet the live with the... can i speak to that yes please there's something that i think is really special about nine inch nails and the construction of mm-hmm. the songs like the mm-hmm. production that i've okay. always been really attracted to and maybe it's my like borderline obsessive compulsive like type a like thing but this loop driven world like Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. really most introduced to me by nine inch nails and um it's so perfect 
and I had only ever heard music in a way that was much more organic before, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, like, the first thing that was, like, mm-hmm. really caught me that was that thing. I can't, I don't even know how to, like, really categorize it. Industrial, metal, rock, I don't know, alternative, right. computer music, craft work. Like, yeah. this makes me want to talk about craft work, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only discovered them later. Like, this was my intro. And the way that it works is so cool to me because there's all these boxes. Mm-hmm. There's all these layers that have a a purpose and a place and it's like a computer they're never going to um, change mm-hmm. and change can be awesome and, and little times when you hit uh, the drum slightly louder or softer than other that can really be beautiful in mm. music but in this case it has to be perfect robotically yep. tight hmm. and you have these boxes of perfection and these different layers and it starts out with one and then another gets added and then another until it becomes something else and then he always strips away those layers in a different order so that you end up recognizing something that came in late in the game isolated by itself in the end and you get a chance to appreciate it when it was part of that whole so i I don't know if i'm describing this really well wow that's maybe the best description i've ever heard actually (laughs) but i really love that and like i'm a I, I love everything about that system in a way that i have definitely emulated that and you it's funny you say demo because i end up making my demos that way and like mm. thinking that way and mm-hmm. the way it's funny that we're um this rock band with like orchestration mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. all of these things about it that are so organic but it really starts always for me in demo land more like this yeah in a place of placing in perfect layers then always assuming that i'm you know later we're going to change it with some real elements and right. that programming and ends up taking a major back seat yeah um and it's funny because we end up with something so different but the, this is demo land in a beautiful way to me at times there are times when i always miss the demo i mean you always do that's yeah, a problem yeah but i don't hear that and think that it's not done yeah because there's not more like it's just mm-hmm. the understanding of like that formula what like do you this. think about um i was just going to ask like yeah. as as an artist how does it make you feel when the label guy tells you that a song isn't done enough <laughs> is it done? i just add 15 more layers and yeah, tell them to go. shut up that's where we are <laughs> but, but in, that, in that particular case so so say i get that i get the demo thing for sure and i i as as a former label guy uh get attached to demos really quick and and i don't right I, when i hear like when bands would send me demos i'd be like that is actually great we need to keep that because you right. capture something that you right. know, probably won't recapture if you do it in this, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the case of that song that we just heard, um, it, it, I didn't feel the, the build, the layers. Okay. Well, whatever. I did cut it, it off. Felt, we did have five uh, more minutes and I think the okay. song might have been longer, <laughs> longer than the comfort and level of us just like sitting. Yeah. Just like sitting there and listening build, to If it builds, I get it. Like, but uh, the demo popped into my head only because it was that continuing like it's linear you know, thing and just, yeah right. it doesn't build because i love a build i love a crescendo right. i sit my kids down and teach them what a crescendo is and, mm-hmm. and how to follow it and whatever but in that particular that one song i, I just didn't feel like that right well, what's happening next I can't so let wait. me say this let me say this on that i think that um th- all of that is fair comment but um this particular song within the context of this particular album within the context of his total career i think if if I'm understanding the song correctly, all of that is by design. Right. And it's... <laughs> sure. um, He's saying that. Like, it's like, I'm just a copy of a copy of a copy. Well, okay. so here's what I think that this means. And this is some this is some spacey shit, so stay with me and allow, allow, me, me. allow me the opportunity of like... So if you think of our life, like all of our lives, 
as individual still frames on a roll of film. Like 24 frames per second is how we view things okay. in cinema. If you just stopped each one of those still frames, you would see a still frame of yourself in action. And I think he's saying that I, as an individual, am just an iterative moment of myself moving through wow. time that has inherited the decisions of previous versions of myself and I'm only cognizant in this particular still frame of my life and uh, I'm little pieces that have been picked up along the way imprinted with a purpose you wake up every morning after finishing the day before you and now you have all these decisions ahead of you that you're kind of moving towards making anyway but you can also break that you can move into a different direction and I think some of the what he's talking about in the song is um, recognizing like um, I don't I I don't want to continue down this version of myself I don't want to just continue to be a copy of a previous version of myself um, I want to I want to move in a different direction and I think when you think about that as how your life functions that's a pretty heavy concept and so if the song so, explodes into a crazy new place it does, I don't think it, I don't think it goes into a crazy new place. Okay. It does operate linearly, okay. like time operates. Right. It is repetitive. The the language, the songwriting of it, like he's using language as a as a mechanical device of repeating. Like I'm little pieces, little pieces, little pieces. Mm. Just mm. because he's moving forward, it's, he's an echo of an echo of an echo. He mm. does all of these things, and I think like from a design construction, like a painting, like there was a thesis behind the song. And all of the components from the way that his lyrical phrasing was and the song was constructed in a loop linear way mm. supports the thesis right. of why he made the song right, in the right, first right, place. Right, right. Or, hey, check out these awesome Apple loops that you can get on GarageBand. Apple being the company that I'm the CEO of. Yeah. Check it out. Boom. No, Ooh, no. that's interesting. That could be. Um, I love that we're a little punchy this time. I love that we're disagreeing. <laughs> I love that you weren't all in on it. Otherwise, I think people, what's the point? Yeah, if I think people would be opinion. disappointed if like, yeah. I was like, hey, Jay, try Nine Inch Nails. And you were like, you know what? I finally get it. I yeah, get right. why you guys like this so much. This is like really deep stuff. Yeah. You're like, uh, his voice sucks. And <laughs> it's, so, it's so dark. Uh, why are you guys so sad? Um, <laughs> like all this stuff. Here's, what I, here's my takeaway from this experiment, honestly, is it did open me up to... Um, a new side of, and it's not a new side, it's a 19 year old side, but a, a part of Nine Channels that I wasn't otherwise familiar with. When I first pressed play on The Fragile, um, or as you folks from the UK like to say, The, the fragile. fragile, um, I was like, oh man, this is, this is what I thought it was. First, first song, this is what I thought it was. <laughs> but then as I got deeper in and I did, I did listen, especially to the tracks that you guys suggested. I did think today, I, suggest enough. I was just like, man, there is another side to this that I wasn't appreciating enough, truly, and and that come that's production wise, that's authenticity wise, that's feeling, that's that's everything, including the songs where Trent actually sings. So right. There, there, there is a new appreciation. It's not going to be the band that I you know right. die on a hill for, but it's a it's a band that I can officially say that I can appreciate more than I did prior to this but, experiment. Um, living in like a binary section, bands that you can appreciate more, you still don't like. Uh, are you are you taking? I, I would listen to Nine Inch Nails or a hard pass. What's your take? I would listen to I would listen to more Nine. Inch Before you even ask that question, can I have a turn? Yeah. Okay. Can you put on? Um, <laughs> wait. Hold on. Okay. Talking about this addition and subtraction of layers. Just play closer for. I don't know why I like this so much, but once I started to get it, 
on a production standpoint, it just it makes me feel so satisfied. So you just got this one thing that kicking a snare, like I guess that's two things, but it's one loop, yeah. right? And that is the song, really. In so many ways, that's the heart of it. I did confession. Yes. Yeah. And then that. With that right there. And that Changes adds everything. everything. It does. It's just this one new building block, and his voice, obviously, he's singing. But forget that. When And that's why this song was such a huge hit. This right. song was huge. Right? For two reasons. A, it's, it's very catchy, very good. Also, you what you said earlier, Jake, is at the time when this came out, there was absolutely nothing like it on the yeah. radio. And this, Word. this just broke things wide open. And that, that, I mean, obviously, everyone listening to this podcast knows that song inside and out. It's a, it's a huge song and a great, and a great song. I right. truly appreciate the song, even the vocal, even the, like, the delivery. Oh, it's totally. Because it's right. And then... Well, again, I'm talking about downward spiral, not the fragile, but it's okay. It's a nine inch. Nose. When I talk oh. about okay, when I when I talked about the sarcasm, there was this great revelation for me in understanding how beautifully you could place sarcasm like in the tone of the music with um, March of the Pigs. Yeah. Okay, so it's this heavy, 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 heavy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And then brace of nothing but this sweet sounding, like very sweet is the right word piano and him going now doesn't it make you feel better right and it's like major key and you're like what like it so doesn't fit to the point that you almost have to laugh Mm. and it's so good and it just plows back into the heavy 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 I love that it's so good Anyway, I was just saying that's somewhere that I learned that and like I've tried to apply that in tiny ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so 14 years ago, I used to do a one-man show where I would build live loops on stage and like mix oh, in really? songs, and I covered closer, and it was a very, very um, what is the word for when you want to do something that would require uh, bravery. <laughs> <laughs> but also incur a large bit of risk, not impulsive, but a bravery and risk. It was, uh, it was a bold choice. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. just say for a for a intermediate professional musician. Um, was it me... as bold as when you mentioned the last episode that you played? <gasps> Listen, <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> Wait but, a minute! Hold, again. hold on, hold on. Let me just get the end. Oh. That's you? So I was just like building right. the loops. Ed Sheeran before Ed Sheeran. Look at you. Yeah, dude. I hate that kid so much. I'm like, Psh. You were yeah. building loops? That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. That's yeah. not as bold of a you choice like a as when you played. Or... Yeah, just a foot pedal. And I, would, I had bass. I had my synth. I had like my drum machine. I love that. And I had a couple of different guitars. And then I would beatbox for... I love it. I love that. Yeah, but let's talk about the bold choice that Amy is not aware of when you chose to play Freebird, right? With Freebird? What are you talking about? When you were 12, you played the acoustic, an acoustic... Oh, no. Oh, uh, that was um, a Hotel California. Hotel California. Oh, man. Harking back to our Eagles episode, you played Hotel California on acoustic guitar, not singing, no solos. Just the, just, rhythm the gu- just the rhythm guitar section. Aww. Just the rhythm guitar section. From my sixth grade talent show. 
the whole thing. That's pretty good for sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, I had, it was mixed reviews. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are parts on the fragile to me that like, like there's all this ambient thing. Like it, it, I see it as one big thing, but then there are songs that stuck out as like that grab me instantly in a way that I feel like maybe you could get. And mm-hmm. I, you said you had certain ones. Was there any specific song that like? I mean, the, so not pandering to uh, to what to what you sent, but the one that you sent, which was the um, fragile, right? Wait, oh, where is I, everybody? Oh, that the way that it starts. Okay. That, that to me was shocking that it wasn't a single because the right. singles as, and I was in radio at the time yeah the first single was the day the world went away so imagine trying no. to play that on uh, radio no. totally which is which no, was, is it not? no which is as a, as a radio person back then was my first exposure to it and I wasn't even in the programming side at that point I was just like oh this is their this is their radio single. put forward that's crazy because that's but, one of the most it was the first single for sure into the void. It was that was the subsequent single, but the introduction to radio for the day the whole world went away. Yes, the day the world went away. The day the world went away was the first single they released for that. Yes, so I remember hearing that and thinking, "Oh wow!" I have to look that. Yeah, I have to look that up. That's weird. Wikipedia, Um, it's there. Well, where is everybody? It's great, and that should have to me that that. That guitar so sound? Yes. I have referenced that guitar sound in something that I have tried to capture or describe, like something that I wanted to feel like so many times throughout mm. my life. Mm-hmm. I love that sound and the way that feels. I do so too, and I, I like I do like heavy stuff. And that when you sent, when you sent me that, I was like, okay, I can get down with this. This is right. really really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is one of those. That's one of the big ones that I've always listened to and loved. The There's mark a, has been made. How's that one start? That's the instrumental. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. The little. This is everything I love in music. That little guitar riff in the background. So good. This is one that I really enjoy too. Have you ever seen that Denzel Washington movie where he's like a bodyguard that protects a girl that got kidnapped in Mexico? No. Oh, uh. Man on Fire. The song is. No, but this is, this is what made me think, and this is why I was surprised I was 19 years old. This is what made me think, okay, this is a precursor into Trent's scoring. scoring yeah. yes. This feels like a film score. Absolutely. Oh, so on that, you asked me about that. The only thing, the only two things that I'm aware of that he did, I think intentionally as soundtracks for the movie, were was um, Perfect Drug, which was for Lost Highway. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then before that, he had a song on the crow. And then Into the Void is what comes right before... Yeah, where is everybody? Yeah, the way that they transition is so cool. Yeah. And that's part of why it comes in so heavy. Just play the end of Into the Void. That's a great song, too. Again, vocally, too. Adding layer after layer after layer. And it's like five of them. We're, you know, old longtime fans who have like, I mean, I have a lot of special feelings and took major inspiration. I feel like I got a lot of things. He painted a lot of different pictures from a production standpoint, from a lyrical standpoint. Yeah. Um, that just really, I got and just like dawned on me in a way that I was like, I love that and I get that. And I don't know if everybody gets that, but I feel like I'm in on some kind of cool secret. And like, I don't know, like just uh, that's stayed with me. Um, but the difference between that and 
you know, necessarily what it would be like hearing it today when I'm in a completely different place. Yeah. Um, and maybe Jay's perspective, who was, you know, like aware of it, but it wasn't like such an OMG moment, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, I wonder what, what that means. Like, is it really just that our hearts like have to coincide at the same moment on the same feeling and just be in the right place at the right time, you know, to intersect with somebody else's, inter- somebody else's art or what? I think that I think yeah. uh, right place, right time, because clearly Nine Inch Nails at the time tapped into something huge, right? Mm-hmm. They tapped yeah. into um, a sentiment a that angst. people were feeling, angst, whatever mm-hmm. it was, and just it tapped in and, and, ex- and it exploded. And, and a lot of artists, you included, have done that, right? Where you're like, you 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 hit a sentiment that people are feeling, and boom, there it goes. Now yeah. I may not have been at that place in my life. I'm uh, ten years removed, so. It could have been just like it didn't resonate with me because of where I was at in life at that point. Right. So I didn't. I got it from a radio programming perspective. Okay, obviously, closer is gonna work. Uh, Head like a hole is gonna work. You know, those songs are gonna work from a, just like a mainstream. But when it, when you dig down deep into the um, the, the meaning, the purpose, and the, the, the overall sentiment, wasn't wasn't for me personally. Yeah. Right. But it was clearly for a lot of people. You yeah. know. And so I'm not here to knock it. I just wanted to you know. Um, hear your perspectives on it because it's really interesting and and clearly resonated in a deep way for both of you. Yeah. And then I think also music. from a, I mean from an A&R standpoint that makes total sense. Like there are the moments within Nine Inch Nails where it's like boom, you're in a hit and you know it. It's yeah. closer. Jay's looking for the hits, Amy. Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? And I I'm I have that heart. Like I yeah. totally have a addicted to pop heart in a real way, and I always have like the my favorite songs are oftentimes the ones that made it like the, those yeah. are the ones with that catchy thing that starts right off right but there's another part of me that rebels against that thought yeah and gets really like extra super inspired and like i don't know just turned on when they do the opposite mm-hmm. and go you know what i don't care to such a deep degree what anybody thinks if anybody plays this on the radio if, mm-hmm. if anything mm. i'm so not selling you something and this is so like just me getting my feelings out to the purest degree there's something about that to me that is like when it still sounds good mm, yeah super attractive like but because he already hooked me in with the hit yeah for sure like i heard closer first yeah and then it was like oh but there's this whole deeper side of yeah. stuff where i already trust you and i know there's a melody coming sometime and oh i want to be really clear about something though um what i was saying is that the song, the the songs by nine inch by nine inch nails that I got were the clearly the radio songs. Those are the mm-hmm. ones that okay, yeah. yeah. As a mainstream listener, mm-hmm. those are the ones that got to me. Right. As, I don't mean got to me in my heart. I just mean like they in got your to wallet. my ears. Yes. In your wallet, right? Because there are plenty of bands that <laughs> yeah. I love that Radiohead being one of them. Okay, Computer. There's right. not a single right. radio yeah. song yes. on there. For sure. But like I go deep still love into it. that. Yes. I love it so much because precisely because there's not like the obvious. You know, verse, chorus, mm-hmm. verse, bridge, out. You know, it's fun. There's not. There's so many good songs, mm-hmm. and just it just goes really. Karma Police, come on. It's just like yeah. one thing throughout, and it's just amazing, right? So, yeah. I'm not just like, yes, I'm an A&R guy. Yes, I was a radio programmer, but like, I'm not just forever. From a from a business perspective, sure, I look yeah. for the hits, of course, but like from a personal music listener perspective, I look for just really good quality music. Totally. Yeah. And what I was saying is like, uh, I just somehow missed the 
sentiment that night. Yeah, because that's not a place where you want to live. Yeah, and it's not where I was. I don't want to live either, actually. And I remember being in a really dark place when I first heard this music on some level. In some level, I was in a good place, but Mm -hmm. another was like, I'm an angsty teenager, and this speaks to me in a way that I'm not allowed to speak. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's what was so cool about it. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if that really, how much that affects, like, the way that I love it so much. Yeah. I think I had feelings that, like, were complimentary of the sentiment of the song but more for my musical taste like the the early 90s and the mid to late 90s sounded very different Mm. and in my opinion like it was harder to find like you you could just trip over an amazing new band that just sounded awesome in the early 90s for me Mm. whereas the late 90s it became a little bit more selective like rock was trying to find like where are we going to go right um and I liked what Nine Inch Nails was doing during that time. Like, that was right. my favorite sound Absolutely. of music, you know? Yes. I was like, this is just sweet. Yeah. Mm. So I liked the sound of the music more than I liked the emotion and sentiment, but I resonated with the That's cool. emotion and sentiment yeah, because I, I was, you know, I was coming of age yeah. and yeah. I knew what it was like to be pissed off. Yeah, and I was like 45. I know. So what I hear, I guess just to put a fine point on it from my perspective, unless either of you had any other thoughts, are this. Um... You can see the merit in it. Yes. But it is not necessarily your cup of tea. Correct. But you can appreciate and respect it. 100%. And what I see is that when you said you want to do a podcast about music, and Here we, go again. we talk about preparing for the content, and if it's your idea, I will take it very seriously. <laughs> oh my God. And if, if I hand bonus. you a book to do a book report, you'll read the back of the book. And then pretend like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, you know this song about advancing through time in a linear, repetitive way? It sounds too loopy and repetitive because I only listened to the first three minutes <laughs> right now. Next. <laughs> Where's the hits, baby? Give me the hits. Yeah, but you know, something that's undeniable no matter what is its authenticity. Like if you're yeah. listening to it as art, which it truly is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's hard to say about a lot of music. I always feel more and more, I feel like as time goes by, somebody's trying to sell me something. As soon as I get that little whiff of you're trying to sell me something, I either go, okay, well, I can still appreciate it because it's a pop song, or I'm frustrated and I don't want to listen to it anymore because I don't believe you. If I can't believe that you, to some degree, really go through what you're talking about, I'm not as deeply interested and emotionally invested as I might be. You need to really be a good actor, like, if you're putting on Mm. a show like that, you know? Um, And I think that that is the thing that is really, really real is he's so so authentic not just in his feelings and his pain i don't just mean on on the lyrics but in the music and the construction of it and Mm. all the interesting and creative ways that it's built even the whole genre of like that industrial sound Mm. it's made up of like homemade samples like Mm -hmm. car Mm -hmm. doors slamming and like a a typewriter being dropped on the floor and recorded at four in the morning when he was like i need this sound to sound like a weird machine crashing like Getting into it in that way and thinking of it in that way and even back again to that closer video and the way that it looked kind of like that. Yeah. Um, just imagining this whole world of creativity and art in a way that was, I, I honestly still believe that it yeah. was that serious and that real mm. is part of what makes it untouchable for me. You're right. Well. Hey, Jake. Thanks for. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Jake, Jake, Jake cannot. Jake cannot wait to stop talking about that. <laughs> hey, next. It's so uncomfortable. Hey. Hey, this is uh, this is getting too dark for no, me. No, it's in the interest of time. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, J- Amy, thanks for sharing your thoughts on Nine Inch Nails. Uh, this was really lovely. I really appreciated 
your insight and connecting with you on a band that I know that we share. Jay? (laughs) I was really happy to hear that you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I really was because it's one of my faves and, you know, for lots of reasons we already talked about, you know, just gushing like a nerd, but it's cool to talk music and also it was cool. I really appreciated having a reason to go back and listen to the full album um, as opposed to just listen to a song here and there that I already know is safe because I already love it. Like, because it made me actually recognize different things that I'd forgotten or hmm. maybe could see now from a different perspective. That's awesome. Maybe next time uh, we'll talk about Massive Attack and Jay can participate. Ah, yes. Thank you. Let's please do. <laughs> Let's right. do that. And Jay will what? Mezzant participate. Mezzanine is an incredible album. Yes. Ooh, a teaser. Teaser for the next one. Teaser yes. for the next one. Jake, you want to get in some quick hits? Let's do it. Let, okay. in, the, in consideration of oh, time. Oh, I have to look at my, like, what am I recently let's, let's move into some quick hits. Why don't you Are kick Are you guys going to talk here? about yours, too? Yeah, yeah, for okay, sure. Okay, good. For we'll, sure, we'll, for talk, sure. we'll talk about some of ours while you, uh, while you like, kind of think about some of the stuff. Okay, go ahead. Because I'd love to hear what, what you're listening to, Amy. Um, so I'm just going to go quick. Yeah. Um, I came across this band. It's just a duo from Minneapolis called Bones and Beaker. Yep. Uh, did I send you that? That's I, the, yeah, yeah, that's the one with DJ uh, Cut Chemist. Yes, Cut Chemist has a song on yep. there. Uh, there's one particular song there that I'm putting on the playlist. is by uh, by Bones and Beaker featuring Open Mike Eagle, which is this hip-hop guy. It's really good. Um, and the song's called A Song for Dead Al's Mother. Tell him something, no performances, no production. Normal cypress is interrupted, international phone instructions. It's rude to stare, sugar bear, she couldn't care. Looking paired, couldn't scare them, wouldn't share, just put her there. Uh, and um, it is excellent. It reminds me a little bit of Gorillas, which I know oh, you're right a fan of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Check That's that awesome. out. Uh, my man Kamazi Washington just came out with a new album on Friday. Back with Kamazi Washington. Nice. And it is. Uh, album's called heaven and earth the album cover is just spectacular okay and the music on it is just like it's just it's power and beautiful like energy jazz Ugh, i think you're gonna like it I've been meaning to bring this up on previous podcasts, but I keep forgetting. Um, the very last band that I signed um, when I was at Sony, a band called Sun Talk. Yep. And if you're a fan of uh, War on Drugs, Ryan Adams, that mm-hmm. kind of genre, it's the perfect marriage yep. of, of that music by this dude, Joseph LeMay in Nashville. Really good. The song is called War Machine. It's oh. excellent. Amy, I know this is another band that we share uh, some common ground on, but it's Portishead, and they had a single in 2010 called Chase the Tear. Uh, it has such a lovely, like, synthy, like, late 80s driving vibe, and she just has, like, the perfect minimal vocal over the whole thing. It's lovely. I love Portishead so much, I, and I love that album. Hold on, I just find out what song that is, because I don't know names. Jake, I'm not, I'm not uh, excited about you cutting me out of the Portishead conversation, because I'm a Portishead fan myself. I don't know friends. what we agree on anymore. Oh. 
and the beginning sounds exactly like in the Legend of Zelda I got when you, you finally yeah. get the heart and you're going up out of the out of the beating the boss. Yes. You're like running through a tunnel of lasers. <laughs> tunnel of lasers. That's very cool for Amy, can I uh, can we ask what you've been listening to lately? What some songs, with some bands, artists that you uh, have been have been feeling? Yeah, I should have thought about this a little bit because there have been things. You know, honestly, I this isn't fair because it's not out yet. But I have a friend. Um, her name's Dina Jacob, and she's in a band called Verudia, and we toured together oh. um, a couple years ago. Anyway, they, you know, I think you know this. They were signed to Razor and Tie for yeah. a bit, and they worked on this amazing album that I only just got to hear very recently because she shared it with me it hasn't come out yet but long story short like the label kind of disintegrated and sold to somebody else and you know got rid of all their old acts and they ended up um, homeless all of a sudden from a label and they have their album to do whatever they want with and don't know what to do Um, and I was just I just love her I really like their music and I really like her her whole vibe Mm. Um, and I was like well just share it with me like let me hear it and I finally listened to the whole thing, and it is so cool and pushing it to a new place. Um, it's hard to describe their genre, really, but it's it's kind of in that um, dark pop. There's some rock elements, but yeah. it's definitely more on the like electro side thing. Oh, right on. But this takes that even further to where I didn't, I wasn't even noticing guitar. It's it's very almost in this dark pop, almost hip hop sometimes world, and just like very cool like just abandoning anything you maybe knew about them if you've heard them before I know a lot of people maybe haven't heard the band but um, it's just something that I'm passionate about I just sat here right where you're sitting and I was listening to the whole thing the other night just going dang this is so good (laughs) this has to happen this has to come out everybody has to hear it so um, I don't know what's going to happen with that but I'm I'm anxiously waiting to see because the music is really really good they'll get picked up i remember seeing them open for you at uh in montclair new jersey at that mm-hmm. theater and being blown away by her totally presence it's superstar like totally this, like feels like okay this is definitely something gonna magic going on there yeah really good songwriting too cool That's awesome um what has what are some bands it doesn't have to be current bands new bands whatever what are some bands uh artists that besides you know what we, we just did a good hour and a half on nine inch nails what are some artists that that resonate with you that you're just like, oh man, that's 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 inspiring. Um, Bjork has always been that mm. for me in a really big way. I probably talked about that before because I'm the biggest Bjork fan. But um, the reason being, like, I know her and like she has certain like um, like even notes and modes that she gravitates towards. Like where I'm like, oh, that's so Bjork. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to define that, but even just like choosing your melody standpoint, like I know her really well and it's still Mm. her. She's still her same person, but from album to album, I never know what she's going to do. And it's always a new idea. And I can tell that she's always pushing herself to some new inspiration, to some new plane. Like she's trying to, um, tap into some untouched place within herself and talk about something she hasn't talked about before or do something she hasn't done before. Invent an instrument to play, like whatever Mm. it is. Um, she's been a, just a continuous source of inspiration for me throughout my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned dope. I mentioned the Smashing Pumpkins and this. They were a really, really big mm. influential inspiration to me too. Kind of in the same way, like, and they had a double album that I yeah, really liked. Yeah, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. <laughs> yeah, so good. And it started out like you know being introduced to them in a way that was straight up pretty rock, like just fairly straightforward, really good songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Melancholy came out with this 
thing that was, again, like a double disc with some songs that are instrumental for a while, like segues, like other singers, like other members of the band are singing, mm. like just different worlds. Something sounds like a lullaby, something sounds totally metal. Um, that super inspired me, and mm. that's a band that's kind of continued to change. Like, you'd still mm-hmm. hear it, it's like, oh, that's, I know Billy, like, that's, yeah. that's, the heart is there, but not being afraid to change and grow is something sure. that's always really attracted me. Radiohead is that way as mm-hmm. well, um, mm-hmm. and I've loved them a lot. Um, Would you ever know. want to do one of theirs? Yeah, yeah, I have a couple written down. Oh, let me see, hold on, wait. Because I have this, like, note in my notes on my phone they're just like <laughs> covers like you have to do this oh it's that you're all I need oh yeah you're all I need I'm in the middle of your picture I love that song that's uh, off In Rainbows right yes yeah and there's another song on In Rainbows that was a good rendition by the way that I really yeah. really loved like I saw them at um, Madison Square Garden Theater like the smaller venue underneath oh, yeah. or whatever. Um, before In Rainbows came out and they played um, this song, House of Cards. And it wasn't out yet. And yeah. the only place you could hear it was there. And out of the whole show, that was my favorite song. I was like, well, I don't know where this is from, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to find it. Yeah. And I went home and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was like mm. typing in different lyrics into the internet. Like, is it this? Is it this? Couldn't find it. And then like a year later, it I saw House of Cards on In Rainbows. I was like, oh, that song. Oh, yeah. And played it and it completely lived up to my uh, idea. I know. That's it's never best. that way, right? So disappointing most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you went into more production. Yeah. It's not yeah. as ambient, you know, whatever. No, it felt like that dreamy, beautiful thing that happened that I saw live and fell in love with. That's awesome. Yeah. Amy, thank you so much for doing this with us. Really, really appreciate it. It's great having you back. It's a pleasure. And opening up your home, your studio. Awesome. Yeah, Jay, thanks for putting it in this one, buddy. Yeah, man, you're (laughs) welcome. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys next time on the Forward Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Lean Forward Podcast with Jay Heron and Jacob Gilmore. If you like what you hear, please rate us over in the podcast section at Apple Music. For comments and suggestions, feel free to email us at leanforwardpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.